0: And so I just encourage people, when you're thinking about opportunities, be willing to take a risk that feels uncomfortable uh, and that one that you actually never would have envisioned.
1: Welcome back to the Sharpen podcast. I'm your host, Kirby Green. Sharpen's the podcast for young professionals. Today's episode is full of wisdom and advice um, that I was so fortunate to receive many over a cup of coffee at the Women in Agribusiness Summit. Uh, Some of you are like, well, I'm not a woman and I'm not in agribusiness. Stay tuned. Don't check out. This episode is full of great wisdom for any young professional in that first 10 years of his or her career. So stay tuned. Well, listeners, this is the last episode of 2018. I want to thank you so much for following along For listening, for offering your feedback. I am really looking forward to 2019. I'm working on putting together um, some series uh, around topics that you guys have provided. So with that said, if there's something that has been on your mind that you would love to learn more about as a young professional, please reach out to me at my website, kirbyogreen.com. The links are in show notes. And with that, thank you so much for your support in 2018. Here's to a great 2019. I was so grateful to have met Nicole Johnson Hoffman. Uh, Nicole is the chief sustainability officer for the OSI group. Um, We actually met each other for the very first time at the summit. I'm so thankful to have spent some time with her. Um, I had Nicole share a little bit about herself and uh, asked her for, for some of her advice for our young professional audience. This is what Nicole had to say.
2: Well, um, it's good to talk to you, Kirby. I'm glad I finally got a chance to meet you because I've heard about you for years. I'm Nicole Johnson Hoffman. I'm um, I work for a company called OSI Group, and I um, I work with our largest customer and I lead a lead customer uh, relationship, and have the P and L responsibility for that business. and um, And I'm also active in the beef industry and have been for many years. Um, in particular, I'm active in the sustainability aspect of the beef industry and. Using uh, roundtable structures um, where we invite all kinds of stakeholders to the table to work on tough issues, um, to address the biggest concerns about beef production sustainability um, in North America and around the world. Um, so that's uh, that's the work that I do. I do that work because I grew up on a farm in Minnesota, and um, it's uh, this is this work is a nexus of the things I care most about. So I love uh, I love the food industry, I love agriculture, um, and I like to feel that I am doing something that I can do to help support farmers in the U.S. and around the world, address concerns of consumers, and ensure that we protect demand for farmers' products. Um, and so that's how I find meaning in my work. That's the why um, for the what. Um, the company I work for is a privately held company, uh, and um, and it's a great opportunity for me to have a lot of influence uh, and shape the direction that the organization takes. We're a smaller organization. We run really lean, um, and we run really practical, and I love that about our work. Um, and at the same time, it's highly personal. Uh, we know everybody in the company, and, um, and so it makes the environment really meaningful and special in that way. I have a husband and three kids, and my husband is a stay home dad and takes care of the kids, and uh, we live in the Chicago suburbs. Um, you'd asked a little bit about how I work with uh, people who are newer in their careers or starting out maybe in the first 10 years of their careers and um, and the kinds of conversations I have with those folks. Um, it's surprising to me that I am not at that stage of life anymore. I mean, I still expect to be that age i still expect to see that face when i look in the mirror i don't feel much different i don't feel um that much smarter um than i did when i was call it 35 um but then every once in a while i do remember i've been in this industry for about 20 years and um and i've done a whole lot of stuff that uh sometimes my friends i give the benefit of that experience to my friends Um, Most often I do find that I have to remind my friends that they have wisdom to contribute um, that is perhaps well beyond their years of experience. So um, a lot of times my task is to help my friends find their self-confidence and find their voice um, and be uh, willing to stand up and speak to the things that that they do know a lot about. So... You know, maybe you're not a world's leading expert in sustainable beef production, but maybe you know a whole lot about um, business ethics or the right, way to, the right way to produce food, or maybe you know about um, how to be a good corporate citizen. I, we had a group of interns come in this summer, and I talked to them about the work they were doing in our plants and making sure that they were in a position to stand up for employee safety. So it, you don't have to be brilliant to see an unsafe act and make sure you stop it. And in that way, you can be 22 years old and a leader in a plant. Um, and in fact, perhaps you are better, better able to do that because you don't have 30 years of bad habits to get over. So um, I, I am personally uh, delighted and overjoyed to work with folks who are at that stage of their careers. Um, and I am not one of the people who spends any time engaging in any kind of complaints about the generations to come um, or the generations that have joined the workforce you know since I did um, because I find that the gifts that they're bringing to the workplace are surprising um, and um, and add add so much value um, to the work that we do I work with I work with young people who are, Uh, technologically really savvy, um, who have no fear of any kind of technology, who, um, who have honestly been raised and educated to have so much less fear, um, and intimidation than I did. Um, you know, they, they come into the workplace having perfected a lot of the skills that are relevant for workers today that we didn't study when I was in school. Um, so uh, that, I, in that way, I mean, I, I'm delighted when we have a new team member um, who's coming in with all that energy and all those skills that are maybe uh, second nature to them but actually take a little bit more doing for the older generations. I think that
1: was great. I don't, uh, is there anything, as you look back to your first team, like one thing you're like, oh my gosh, if I could
2: do it all over again, I'd do this. Uh, well, I, I started my professional career as a lawyer. Uh, I went to law school at the University of Minnesota and I was recruited by Cargill oh, to join their law department. So I started with them as a legal intern, a clerk, we called it back then, mm-hmm. and I never left. Um, so when I graduated from law school and became an attorney, they hired me to be an attorney in the Cargill Law Department. And I spent the first 14 years of my career as a lawyer for Cargill, in-house counsel, and it was a dream job. It was difficult and thrilling and interesting and um, collegial and um, educational in ways I never would have dreamed. Uh, I was really fortunate to get that job. The first few years of that work I did. I was in Minneapolis. I was in the corporate headquarters. And um, I remember once, I remember when I was about 27. So I was maybe only about a third or fourth year lawyer. Um, They said, they sent out some email that said they they needed to replace the lawyer who was based in Tokyo, who was working in the financial services business. And they uh, asked if anybody wanted to volunteer for that job. Now, today, if you sent out that, you'd never send that email out because you'd be overrun by people who'd want to go. For sure. But back then, it was actually, there weren't that many people who were interested in living in Asia, um, which is loony to me. But, um, but at the time, I replied to that email and said, you know, I'd like to go to Tokyo. <laughs> I'd like to be an expat in Japan for a few years. And um, inexplicably, I have no idea how or why they, they ended up sending me and, um, and it changed everything about my career. It changed, uh, well, I built a whole new skill set because I was a financial lawyer. So I learned, I learned uh, a whole new industry and language and um, set of skills mm-hmm. um, and in another country. And, um, and I learned that the, what I had thought were the boundaries of what I was capable of doing, particularly at the age of, say, 27, 28, were not correct, right? Mm-hmm. That those limits... Uh, were much farther out than I thought they were. Um, and the, the message that I share with friends um, is you don't have to plot out your whole career. You can just take one step. You, you can take one step off that path that you thought you were on to something that's maybe harder, maybe scarier, maybe different than you anticipated, and, um, and just take it one step at a time Closer in the direction of um, I don't know your dreams, and um, and you'll be amazed at where you land. So uh, so that that two and a half year stint that I did in Japan changed everything, um, and uh, and I had a after that a really fulfilling, thrilling career as a lawyer for Cargill that built on those years of experiences um, and the skills that I developed, and then also led me to uh work in our uh, meat business and then ultimately uh, when I was in the meat business after I'd been there for six years they asked me to go run a slaughterhouse in Colorado and um I think that you know the same way that I took that job in Tokyo I was able to say yeah I can probably run a slaughterhouse did I know how to run a slaughterhouse no I did not (laughs) but I figured it out and um it's uh it's been great
1: Nicole was full of some great advice there right uh, the next person that I was so grateful to have met is Emma Weston. Emma is the CEO and the co founder of Agri Digital. She is probably one of the few people that could talk about blockchain. And, and really simplify that. She gave a great keynote around blockchain, what that is, um, what that means. Uh, it was really, really helpful for, for me personally. I had a follow-up conversation with Emma uh, for, for our audience of young professionals. She gave some really great advice, and I just so enjoyed the, that time with her.
3: What's that What's that? Um, that thing that you look back on or that experience or something that you would do all over again or you would not do all over again? I have a little bit of both of those. I don't know about you.
4: <laughs> I think everyone's got both of those, right? Um, the things that we look back <laughs> on and we're, we're really proud of and, and think that we got it right at the time. And there's the things that, um, you know, with maturity and a little bit of space, um, we realize that uh, we, we maybe – I'm not so proud of or wish that we hadn't gone about quite the way that we did. And, yeah, for me, I think when I look back, um, I was a just like so many young people, men and women, was very um, ambitious. I, I felt that I had a lot to, you know, to contribute, and I wanted to get there very quickly. And, you know, if I look back on my time, I think sometimes I tried to do things too quickly and probably didn't take the – the tools and the advice and the people that were around me who just told me to actually experience things and be like in the present moment and actually enjoy rather than trying to get to the next thing all the time. Um, So if I could do anything differently, I actually would be more content with actually what I was doing and trying to do my best in the present moment rather than always planning the next thing. Um, I think that, when you're planning the next thing, there's a possibility that you may not be doing your best or doing a good service to yourself and to others, you know, in the present moment. So that's probably what I would do if I could do something differently.
3: Yeah, no, that's, that's super, that's super helpful. I so identify with what you're, with what you're talking about there. So you mentioned listening to the advice of being, um, Present and you know enjoying in the midst of it. What are, what are some of those other pieces of advice that you feel like um, you know really wise counsel gave you, um, especially in that first ten years? Are there things that come to mind? You're like, oh, this for the sharpened audience. This would be a really helpful reminder.
4: Well, I think that it's so crazy. I feel like I was not that long ago that it was me looking at the first ten years of my career, but it actually is a little while ago. Um, and funnily enough, you know, even the term mentoring and actually getting a mentor was not really well well understood 20 years ago. Um, you know, you did try to seek out those who may have done it before, but I think it's much more acceptable now. And I think the earlier that you can find that person who has no particular interest in your career other than just being helpful to you. Um, you know that I think that's really important, so if I could encourage anyone, I would actually really encourage them to to find that mentor and to realize that uh you need different mentors at different stages of your career, and that's actually okay. so some people speak about it as like a personal board of advisors almost you know that you gather these mm-hmm. great people around who Um, look into you and shine a different light on different parts of you at different points in time and I think that's super valuable for anybody who, particularly if they're moving very quickly um, and they don't have a lot of time to reflect, sometimes we need other people to help us reflect That's so good,
3: yeah I I don't feel like mentorship probably gets framed up um, in that way and so number one, it feels like um, when you talked about more of a board than just, like, one person that, yes. you know, they have the same job as you, they live in the same town as you, they're in the same life as you it I think that's probably far more helpful and realistic and has perspective. Um, so that, that's uh, that's really good. Okay, I have one more question for you. You yeah. have the title of CEO. And when everybody sees the title of CEO, um, they think, oh, that is <laughs> that is so cool. Um, it must be, uh, you know, that for not to be the person in charge, right? Um, and not that that, um, uh, not that, that I'm saying that like that is that is your perspective on on that title. But um, what would you say? Um, I, I heard a really cool Freakonomics episode on the life of a CEO, and it was just so interesting and and insightful as far as like this is what I love and this is what's selling
4: me. Um,
3: what would you tell us that you love, and is also some uh, would be challenging as well?
4: Yeah, sure. So I am the person in charge, but I'm the person in charge mm-hmm. of being in the service of others. You know, that's really what mm-hmm. being a CEO is. So okay. it's, it's not, you know, it's it's not just kind of decision making and and leadership. It's actually how can I make other people look good? How can I actually make my customers' lives easier? Um, you know, how do I, uh, you know, deliver to a broader community? So I think it's, yeah, being in charge of the service of others is the way I think about it um, as CEO. So the things that I love about that is the ability to be – have a very wide contribution, um, you know, mm-hmm. from my team to my customer to my community um, to my competitors even, you know, to really kind of think about what else is out there and how are other people doing it. So that's probably what I love most um, is that level of interaction and contribution. Um, The thing that I like least is it can actually be quite lonely. Um, So Mm. sometimes there are things that do just come back to one person and it can feel that if you haven't set up your support networks well, um, it can be quite a lonely job. And I think that's the, the least glamorous and the least favorable part of, um, of the life of a CEO.
1: I was really thankful to have met Emily Murray. Emily works for Cargill. And I asked her the question of, hey, if you could do or not do something all over again in that first 10 years of your career, what would you say? I think she had a really great answer.
5: Yes. Hi, I'm Emily Murray. I'm the general manager of McDonald's Beef for Cargill.
1: Awesome. Emily and I just met over coffee. That's where all good things happen in life. And I wanted to hear from her today. Tell us a little bit more about you, Emily, but then also you have some great advice of something you would do all over again that you would recommend to young professionals in the first 10 years of their career.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I grew up in St. Louis. Um, I've always gone to school on the East Coast, went to uh, University of New Hampshire Came back to Chicago, so back to the Midwest for work. I actually worked at Enterprise Rent-A-Car for five years, right out of college. Went through the management training program there, managed a branch, um, and then went to business school and got my MBA in Virginia uh, before joining Cargill. And so joined Cargill from Virginia. um, I've been working at Cargill for eight years now, Four years in our strategy group, where it was kind of like window shopping around Cargill. You go to different businesses and work on different strategy projects. Um, Had an opportunity to spend a year in Europe with that group. And then eventually ended up landing a job within Cargill's protein business, again, as the general manager of our McDonald's beef business. First, just for Canada, and I lived in Canada for three years. And then I added our U.S. beef sales as well, and we moved back to the States just a year ago. Um, and when you asked about, you know, something I did in the career that I'm glad I did and I would recommend for others uh, early on in your career like this, again, eight years with Cargill, uh, I would say the first thing that I would recommend is coming out of college, I'm really glad that I made the decision to change jobs, to leave to leave the company I was working for as much as I respected and admired Enterprise and to go get a uh, business degree and to do that career switch to see what was out there. Um, I learned a lot at Enterprise and I value it, for, uh, definitely I value it, but um, You know, there was an opportunity for more, and I'm really happy with where I am. And I think, you know, they taught me a lot, but they also taught me a lot about myself and the other opportunities that could be available for me. And so having that opportunity to go to school, I know sometimes it's hard to give up what you've been working for, you know, five years within a company, moving up through the track. Yeah, there's a comfort level there. And so, you know, it was, hey, do I actually leave this and just start all over? And I'm so glad that I did. Um, And, you know, a lot of people go back to the same role, but at least you're more sure of yourself because you've seen what else is out there. Uh, and then the second thing that I'd mention is, like I said before, four years with Cargill in the strategy group moved to Europe as part of that when there was an opportunity that presented itself moved to Canada when they offered a job when they first suggested the job in Canada I said oh this sounds great they said it's in Edmonton I said awesome hung up the phone googled it and and was like oh crap like that's pretty far (laughs) that's pretty far northwest you know okay all right but it was such a fantastic experience to have have done that so I would say you know I had generally a career path or a sense of what I wanted to do but continued to stay open-minded and when opportunities were presented to me I took advantage of them and do not regret spending that year abroad, do not regret spending the year up in Canada, you know, in the great Northwest, Um, you know, are those three years, apologies for that. And I, I think, you know, I learned so much from those experiences. And, you know, if I had stuck to the path, the way I'd written it would not have had those opportunities.
1: Next up, we have a conversation with Shannon Half. She is with Bayer Crop Science, and she gave a, a great story and some great advice for when you're in a role, you love it, you feel like you're exactly where you need to be, and uh, maybe there's another part of your story yet to come. I really love how she then took a walk back uh, over the past few years with us to share what that
0: had been like for her. Uh, Shannon Hauf, Technology Lead for Soybean in Bayer Crop Science. Is that and, so weird to say? It does feel very weird to say. <laughs> yeah, I can't can remember assume. my title or my company. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, the biggest game changer as I think about the opportunity to excel in leadership was taking risks, um, but doing that also with the idea that I had a group of individuals who were very senior in leadership, willing to take that risk on me. And you know, I enc- what I would encourage, um, you know, y- whether it's young men or women. Um, but it's really to step outside your comfort zone and be willing to take that risk. And I can think of many examples through my career where I took that risk. Um, you know, can perhaps, you yeah, the, the one I'll share is, it was in 2009, so I had moved to St. Louis from Iowa in 2008 and was leading uh, the North America uh, chemistry technical team within our US uh, business, and it was a job that I loved very much. It's you know what I had gone to school for, it's what I had been trained for, and I was born for that job. And I remember we were going through reorganization at the time, and uh, the leader for uh, Vice President of Product Management and Marketing walked into my office and he said, um, Shannon, I have a new opportunity for you. And I asked him, you know, what it was. And he said, I'm going to ask you to move from leading the chemistry team to leading the cotton team. And all I could think about is, here I am. I I grew up on a corn and soybean farm in southern Minnesota. And the only time I actually had been on a cotton farm was through that current job. And that was because we were trying to solve for glyphosate-resistant weeds, uh, at the time Palmer pigweed, in cotton fields. I thought, I'm not qualified for this job. Uh, I'm not even sure... You know, I'm not the not an expert. I'm not even sure where I would go next. And um, so, you know, I shut the door, Phil, Phil left, and I thought, well, not only do I have the opportunity to do a new job, I have the opportunity to, to lead a new team and a new business, because this was not long after we'd integrated the Delta Pine business uh, and really have a new learning. And I look back at that, and that was a career-defining moment for me. Uh, An executive in our company had the confidence in me, and I was willing to take on that risk. Um, And I had a great team I was surrounded by where we leveraged my strengths with their strengths, uh, and we were able to do great things. And it led to my first opportunity to be a senior executive at Monsanto, and that never would have happened had I not taken that risk in 2009. And so I just encourage people when you're thinking about opportunities be willing to take a risk that feels uncomfortable uh, and that one that you actually never would have envisioned uh, i never envisioned when i went to college that i would work in cotton as an example and it was opened up a world of opportunities for me hey guys
1: thanks for listening to this episode of the sharpen podcast uh, do me a huge favor Please leave a review in the iTunes store. Uh, All feedback is welcome. That helps other young professionals uh, find the podcast and most of all, gives me your feedback on what you want to see more of and less of on this podcast. Um, Last thing, please remember to share uh, this podcast if it's been something of benefit to you as a young professional. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Until next time.